Now, I want you to go with me to Genesis 27. We talked last week about the beginning of this intriguing family unit uh, that was Jacob and Esau, Isaac and Rebekah. Okay? Um, and we talked about how um, there is a deception that's going to begin here. Uh, and we're going to deal with that today. Now, it's going to result in the exile of one of these boys. And, uh, and we'll deal with that actually next week. By the way, we'll be in chapter 28 next week. Since you don't have an outline, you'll have one next week. So, okay. So we, we dealt with last week the birth of Jacob and, um, and their parents' favoritism. Remember, we talked quite a bit about how favoritism caused, we believe at least, favoritism, the favoritism of the parents caused this rift to happen between the boys. We'll see it again today. Nothing, if we were in like 24 and 25 last week, nothing is said about Jacob in chapter 26. For Esau's part, he's only mentioned once, and I want you to look here, 2634, look at what Esau is up to, okay? When he's 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Biri the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Who did he marry? Canaanite women. Canaanite women. You remember a couple of weeks ago, they sent, uh, Abraham sent his servant to get a wife for Isaac because that just didn't need to take place. So, but Esau doesn't anyway. Okay? And we're going to see how that causes, um, uh, causes, even that causes a rift in the family. Esau demonstrates contempt for his heritage. Um, by selling his birthright for a pot of stew, and then also here by marrying outside of the covenant relationship. You know, there are some people who want what they want and they want it now. There are some people who on Black Friday go to the shopping center and they've got to touch everything, you know. And there are other people that that person puts in line to return the stuff that they bought that they want to take back. Okay? One of those people has lots and lots of patience. One of those people has lots and lots of patience waiting in long lines at the return lines on Good Friday and on, uh, on, uh, on Black Friday and Saturday. And one of those buys stuff with the thought that if I don't like it, I'll have him stand in line again and take it back. I don't know who those people are. I've just heard about people like that. Okay. All right. Now. Okay, so we're going to have to deal with this family issue. Now, as Genesis 27 begins, Isaac has grown old and nearly blind. Now, this is interesting. I did some reading on this this week. Um, I, I think it's going it's to be interesting. He believes that it's time to put his house in order and to, to offer the blessing to the next generation. Okay, he thinks it's time for that. What you need to know is Isaac lives for another 20 years. About. He didn't call it right. The other thing you need to think about when you're thinking about this is he lives as pretty much an invalid for 20 years. What a tragic thing 
to have to deal with. But Isaac thinks he's going to die soon, and he doesn't die soon. It's a long time. But he desires to give his eldest, Esau, the family blessing, this special father's blessing. And, and that blessing is, is essentially a prophecy of what the future holds for them. He's going to, going to bless him in that way. Um, um, and it's important to note that once a blessing has been pronounced in that culture, it can't be reversed. It's not like, well, I got it wrong, so I'm not going to bless you. I'm going to bless him. No, it, it doesn't work that way. And we're going to see that a little bit in the story. It's also important to note that um, the blessing shouldn't be confused with the birthright. There are two different things. It was the birthright that Jacob bargained for with Esau, with the pot of stew from last week. Remember that? But they kind of go together. The birthright had more to do with uh, passing down wealth. Okay? The biggest part of the family fortune. And what you need to know is that by now, Abraham, Abraham had been very, um, uh, very successful materially. Isaac gets all of that. And Isaac had been very successful. So there's a lot of stuff to give. And Jacob has bargained for the stuff, but he also wants the blessing. They usually go together. Jacob knows that. And certainly he and his mother know that. So um, here's this idea that Isaac is going to call his favored son to bless him before he dies. Now, let's read about it. We're going to start at verse 5. Okay, Steve Blair, can you read 5 down through 10? Okay, lots of intrigue here. Isaac calls in his favorite son Esau. Now, by the way, notice here, says, when Rebekah was listening, as Isaac spoke to whom? His son Esau. Catch that? Uh, in a minute, okay, we're going to see in verse 6, as Steve read, notice it says, Rebekah said to her son Jacob... Neither one of these accounts calls them their sons. I find that really intriguing. You know, Isaac and Rebekah, these two boys had identical DNA. They were from Isaac and they were from Rebekah, but there was clearly one who was Isaac's boy and one who was Rebekah's boy. Yes? Does Isaac know that Esau gave away Rebekah? He does not know. In fact, in fact, he would not have set up this had he known that, Louise, because they go together, okay? He doesn't know that, um, and, and I'm pretty sure the two boys didn't talk about it, okay? 
Rebecca probably knows it because she's going to orchestrate something here. Now, it's another thing. I don't want to talk about it right now because I'll steal my own thunder. But think also of what Rebecca knows that Isaac knows. Think about, the, remember the prophetic thing that happened when the two boys were jostling in her womb. Remember we read that last week? God spoke to her. So think about what she knows, and we'll deal with that in just a minute. Okay, so, so um, Isaac calls Esau in and says, fix me some brisket. It's not brisket, but venison doesn't sound all that good to me. Sorry. So in my head, it's got to be brisket. So um, anyway, he, he fix this for me, and I will bless you. Okay? But when that's going on, what? where's mom? Eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. She, she sees, we think, Esau going into dad's tent. She thinks, okay, what's going on here? So she waits, you know, by the tent flap, and here's what's going on. So she says to, notice verse 6, she says to her son Jacob, catch it? Says to her son Jacob, um, here's what dad just said to your older brother. And by the way, they're twins. They're, they're a few minutes apart. But here's what dad said to your brother, okay? And she quotes him in verse 7. Now there's a difference in verse 7 from verse 5. Did you catch it? Isn't it interesting, you ever play that game Telegraph, where you're in a circle and you say something kind of weird, and one person repeats it to the next one, and by the time it gets back around, it's all goofed up? I think it's interesting here that, that Rebecca editorializes as she tells what she heard um, uh, Isaac say to Esau. How does she change it in verse 7? Okay, that I think I'll give you, but there's, there's a really important phrase in here. Do you catch it? In the presence of the Lord. So he, she says here, um, here's what dad said. Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so they may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord. Now, as far as we know, Isaac didn't say that. But it does indicate how important this is um, Rebecca includes a sacred, ele sacred element in this. She depicts Isaac's plan as being to give Esau his blessing in the presence of the Lord. Uh, the idea here is, um, kind of heightens the sense of urgency. Have you ever, ever used kind of, you add something to kind of heighten the sense that this is a big deal or this is more urgent? Well, she invokes the Lord's name. By the way, Jacob learns that from his mother. He's going to do that a couple of times in his life later on. God told me, God told me, God told me. Okay, in the presence of the Lord. So um, uh, we want to, uh, um, in fact, he's going to use it once at least in this scene. Look at 2720. We haven't read it there yet, but somebody read it. God gave me success. Now, the issue here, we'll see it when we read that section, but what happens is, uh, you know, um, Esau goes out to hunt. He's got to go hunt, dress, cook, and bring it to dad. Jacob puts his in the microwave. 
I, I guess. It's pretty soon. And Isaac is old, but he's not totally. I mean, in fact, we're going to see how shrewd he is still. And he says, how did you get this done so quick? What's Jacob's answer in verse 20? The, the Lord bless me. You know, a, a, uh, um, uh, uh, a, a buck deer walked by my tent as I walked out. I mean, you know. Okay, so um, he, he's going to learn this from his mom of, of this kind of part of the deception. Okay, so Rebecca says, go out and get me a couple of goats. Now, evidently, she's got to figure it out that she can make goat taste like venison. I don't know. I don't do goat. I don't do deer. So I don't know. But evidently, you can make one taste like the other. I, I'm, I swear to you, when I was in Kentucky, there was a family I ate with a lot, and they would, they would try to pass off deer burgers as burgers. I could tell the difference. Okay? Lean, nice, red meat. <clears throat> there was something different about it. Okay? I ate it, smiled, and in the car said, okay? All right? But evidently, Rebecca can make goat taste like deer, I, I, I guess. Because she says, go get me a couple of goats. And, um, and she's going to make something that he'll like, his favorite dish. Um, guys, have you ever used the phrase, just like mother makes? Dangerous phrase. Uh, yeah, dangerous phrase. You know, Rhonda will say the, the, the best day of her life was when my mom said, I'm not going to fix this anymore because you do it better than I do. Oh, you got to love that. But that doesn't happen very often, I would think. Uh, so it, in this case, Rebecca says, I'm going to make it like Esau makes it for your dad. Okay? So... Um, um, so Jacob goes out and the deception begins to kind of thicken here. Now we're going to skip verses 11 to 17. Okay. Jacob's reaction to Rebecca's scheme is kind of understandable. He says, wait a minute here. Um, this might, the food might fool dad, but if he smells me or touches me, he's going to know I'm not Esau. So Rebecca not only cooks food, she cooks up a plan. What's the plan? Yeah. He's, he's going to wear goat hair. He's going to take the goats that she's just butchered, and she's going to get back on his back of his neck and here. Can you imagine what a sight this guy must have been? Okay, I just, I, Sally, I just can't imagine, you know, but okay, so the ruse continues. I, I love the fact that at least Jacob pushes back at his mother and says, oh, we can never, we can never pull this off. Oh yeah, we can. I got this all figured out. She puts Esau's clothes on him. Why? Because Esau smells. Yeah, he's, uh, he's Grizzly Adams, you know, and, uh, and so she puts, Esau's clothes on him, and, uh, and that's going to all factor in the story. Okay, so this deception, the, the plan begins here to kind of take, uh, take shape. Somebody read verse 18 and 19. John, would you read that? 
Okay, now, Jacob goes in the tent with the food that mom's prepared. He's got this outfit on. And he makes a statement here, my father. Now, my father in the Hebrew language is one word. I get the opinion here that Jacob's trying to talk as little as possible. By the way, when you're, when you're in the middle of a lie, the more you talk, the worse it gets. Okay? So he's going to say as little as he can. Why? Do what? Well, Isaac, actually, uh, Esau's the brother, this is the dad, but you, you, you got the right point. Isaac is nearly blind, but he must be able to hear pretty well because it's like, uh, at one point he says, yeah, it doesn't sound like Esau to me. So Jacob's already decided, I'm gonna, I better say very little. Okay? Um, uh, Esau probably has a deep voice, and, and uh, Jacob maybe something less. I don't know. But he's uh, in here, and he says, he goes in to, to meet his dad. Who is it, he says. And Jacob lies to him. It makes you wonder if Isaac already senses that there's something afoot. He goes in. Who is it? And Jacob just simply lies to him. I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now, he would, as long as Isaac doesn't suspect eavesdropping, he's going to assume that this is Esau because the two of them are the only ones that knew what he asked Esau to do, right? Go ahead and get me some game, fix me some stuff, and bring it to me. Okay? That stuff was only known to Esau and, and uh, his dad, Isaac. So, um, so far, so good. Or so bad, depending on your perspective. All right? Cindy, can I get you to go to verse 21? And I want, to, I want you to read down to about 24. Okay, now, Jacob is going to use the Lord's name as part of the cover-up. We already read that in 2720. Uh, he's going to try to kind of allay Isaac's doubt, but he's got to continue to kind of perpetuate this lie. One of the things I want us to catch as we read, and then Cindy, I'm going to have you pick it up in 25 and read down to 29 in just a minute. One of the things I think you need to catch here, and I haven't caught this before, but Jacob isn't just a deceiver, just a liar, even though he is those things. He, he really does care about what dad thinks. And I think he's shaking in his boots. I think he thinks he's going to get found out. And he's nervous about this whole thing, I think. Okay, start at 25 and read down through 29, Cindy.
Jacob sees his dad. Dad immediately wants some confirmation. All right? And he gets some of it. The voice is the voice of Jacob at the hands of the hands of Esau. Goatskin. Goatskin. I don't get it, but okay. He didn't recognize it, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. But he asked him again, are you really Esau? Jacob's word, Jacob's answer is one word. I am. He's lied at least twice here to his dad. He's invoked the name of the Lord in part of this. Another lie, even one word. Do little lies matter? Do little lies matter? Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the consequences of this are going to turn out like God wants them to, right? So a little lie doesn't really matter. Does a little spin matter? Isn't it interesting that we've even, we've even created a term to allay this idea of a white lie, and we call it spin? Spin, spin seems a little more benign, doesn't it? I just spun it a little different. Oh, by the way, what's spin? Deception. It is deception, but what, what, what am I doing when I'm spinning something? I'm going to turn it, twist it just a little bit to suit my needs without completely admitting culpability. I'm going to spin it just a little bit. Half-truth the whole lie. So, so here's the idea. When Rebecca conspires with Jacob, she probably convinced herself that this is all for the right thing. This is all well-intended. Okay? After all, God had told her what Jacob's fate would be, hadn't he? Think about it. When they were jostling in her womb, we looked at this last week, what did God say to her about the two boys? The older will serve the younger. Yeah. The older will serve the younger. And you remember when Jacob comes out of the womb, he's trying to grab for his brother's heel and yank him back in. Okay, I mean, that's kind of what was going on there. The older will serve the younger. So she knows I'm just helping God do his thing, right? By the way, I have, uh, I have used that line of reasoning in my lifetime. I'm just going to help God get done what God needs me to get done. Does God need that kind of help? It would, this would have worked out this way anyway, whether Rebecca got involved or not. Are there consequences to what Rebecca did? Interesting. I have missed that, Dan. By chapter 28, which we'll study next week, Jacob gets sent away. For two reasons. Why? To find a wife and to keep from getting murdered by his older brother. Rebecca never sees him again. He's gone at least 14 years. We think more like 20 years. When he comes back, Isaac's still alive. Rebecca's gone. That breaks my heart. This was her boy. This is her boy. But the family craziness got such that she would never see him again. 
the ruse continues. Jacob says, let me plant a kiss on you, boy. By the way, your dad, um, this is going to be a painful thing to think about. Your dad ever kiss you? When Chuck Dar met my father back in the 90s, Chuck stuck out a, Chuck's a big guy. Chuck out kind of a limp handshake. My dad almost broke his hand. Not intentionally, just he grabbed a pipe wrench most of his life, you know. And yet, every time I saw my dad, he kissed me. He loved me. The softest hard man I've ever known. Come here and kiss me. And when he did, he smells. Oh, you smell like dirt, he says. <laughs> kind of, something like that. You smell like the open field. Oh, this is my boy. And he proceeds to bless him. And you can read about the blessing here. The blessing's really important, including other peoples will bow, bow, will bow down to you. He's talking there about other Canaanite people who will eventually, in the days of David, will be subjected in subjection to, not in slavery, but just they're paying tribute. And, they're, and you know, the Israelites are big time by, by David and Solomon's day. But he also says, your brothers... Your brothers will bow down to you. Only one brother. He's probably talking about that. And he's talking about uh, Esau's uh, progeny as well. And then in the last part of 29, he repeats a blessing that, Ab that Abraham got directly from God back in Genesis 12. He said, may the, may the sons of your mother bow down to you. Did you catch that? And then he says, may those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. That's an Abrahamic covenant blessing. And that's what he did. Okay. By the way, I haven't had to worry about filling in blanks today. It's been great fun. Um, the, the, the field of sociology have identified a concept called the law of un unintended consequences. There are three components to it. Let me share them with you real quickly as we go. One would be unexpected benefits. That's what you and I know is kind of a windfall. Okay, so this was, I've done something, um, um, uh, outcomes that are not foreseen or intended by a certain action. So one of the unexpected benefits or unexpected consequences is a benefit or a windfall. Another is an unexpected drawback, doing more harm than good. I didn't see that coming. A third outcome could be perverse results when the consequences of a course of action make a given problem worse. This is known as backfire. Now, you've used these terms. You didn't know you were practicing sociology when you did that, but you've used these terms. What I'm going to say to you is backfire can certainly be applied to what happened here in the aftermath of Jacob and Rebekah's deception. Isaac is grief-stricken when he finds out of, of the deception. He, um, he shakes. This old man begins to shake. I've been deceived. You got to catch the, the other part of the rest of the story. Esau comes in, uh, you know, kind of skipping in with his, with his uh, venison dinner. 
Who are you? Well, I'm Esau. You told me to go fix you some venison. I've already had venison dinner. Who was that guy? And Esau is enraged and vows, I'm going to wait till dad dies and I'm killing him. So Jacob has to go away. Unintended consequences of doing, trying to do God's work for him. And it's called backfire. Now, I just want to ask you a question. What do I do with this story? The, the best simple application I could come up with this. What do I do with this story? Is I've got a pretty ruthlessly, pretty directive. Avoid in my life. Are you ready? Spin. If I were to tell you your application today is quit lying to your brothers and sisters. Okay. That's a little kind of, that's, that's pretty easy to sniff out. But when do you spin things? Maybe it's time for you and I to, to kind of intentionally and almost ruthlessly drive spin from my life. Okay? I could say it this way, and it makes it look a lot better than it really was. But instead, I'm going to choose to tell the unvarnished truth. Here's my guess. The backfire from that will be a lot less than if you tried to spin it. I love you. I love doing this with you. 